minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow, Slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Those nice people at the Community Radio Network continue to broadcast the Anarchist World This Week, north to south, east to west, through their many radio stations. My name is Joseph Toscoe, I'm hosting today's program. If you wonder what Anarchy is all about, Anarchist Society is a society without rulers. Very simple, without rulers. So the dilemma that anarchists face is how do you create a functioning society without rulers? Well, you devolve power and you share wealth. Simple concepts, a very simple concept. What's a good way to devolve power? Through direct democratic processes where the people involved in decision make that decision and then appoint or elect delegates to coordinate those decisions at a local, regional, national and possibly international level. Simple concept. You hold wealth in common. It is the Commonwealth. We do live in the Commonwealth of Australia, but unfortunately some people own a lot of the Commonwealth and other people own very little. Like, you know, the bottom 40% own 1% of the Commonwealth. But that's the way it is, isn't it? That's the way the Lords ordained it, both in the religious and the non-religious world. No, it's not. No, it's not. Now, the anarchist world this week is a little bit like dog shit, you know? We're dog shit as far as they're concerned. We're dog shit. But to those of you who've been travelling over the last two weeks know that when you're travelling, there's always the chance your foot or your boot or your shoe can step in some dog shit. And it doesn't matter how long you take to get rid of the dog shit, that smell lingers on. And that's what we are to the rich and powerful, dog shit. But our smell lingers on. And it makes them nauseous because it reminds them that we are around and we want radical social transformation. So, what do we hope to achieve in 2018? Well, I'm sick and tired of talking about scum. All right? I'm sick and tired about talking about ignorant people and analysing crap. So, in 2018, we are going to concentrate on running our agenda, on doing what we need to do to transform society. We're not going to react to them. They're going to react to us by the end of this year. They will have to react to us if they wish to continue functioning. They will have to to react to the anger the disappointment that is becoming 
a perennial issue in our society. Because as inequality grows, disappointment grows. Some people turn on themselves, some people turn on society. And we've seen some fascinating examples of how fear is going to be the political mobilising force for 2018. And I'll talk about that in a few minutes. But firstly, I'd like to encourage you to join public interests before corporate interests. That's right, public interests before corporate interests. They're back. They're back. And hopefully this year will be the year that public interests before corporate interests will be registered as a federal political party. At the annual general meeting in 2017, it was decided to hold a congress of all members or invite all members to a congress, which will be held on Saturday the 3rd of March 2018. And all those members of public interest before corporate interest who have been listening to, this pro- are listening to this program, those of you with an email address would have already received your invitation. Other members of a postal address will receive their invitation the next week or two as we gain the necessary $1 stamps to uh, do the uh, mass mail-out. So if you do have any $1 stamps lying somewhere in a drawer, you can always put them in an envelope and post them to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. That's right. Post Office Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Now, the uh, Frankston branch of public interest before corporate interest is biting at the bit. They'll be meeting next Tuesday at the 16th of January at 6pm at the Mahogany Community Centre at 26 Mahogany Avenue, North Frankston. And I think they meet on the 1st and 3rd, but I'm not sure. We'll work it out. I'll tell you next week when they're going to meet regularly. But their first meeting for 2018 is Tuesday the 16th of January, 6pm, 26 Mahogany Avenue, North Frankston, the Mahogany Community Centre. And if you say to yourself, I would love to have a branch of public interest before corporate interest in my part of the universe, give me a call, organise a meeting, organise a picnic, we'll organise a a branch, get things started in your corner of the world. We need another 220 members on the Commonwealth electoral roll, on the electoral roll, before we can register as a political party. Whether you're on the electoral roll or not doesn't matter. But if you're on the electoral roll, it does help us to get the numbers to register. So join today. You can download the application form from pipsy.net. Now, we're not an orthodox political party who goes out and races around and calls for votes. We are an activist group, an activist group who, through actions through the year, hope, not only hope, but aspire, not only aspire, but demand the interests of the many, the public, be always put before the interests of the few. So if you're bored and listless and you're kind of annoyed that you've been pushed around, well, public interest before corporate interest is the organisation for you, so it doesn't cost anything to join. You can download the application form from uh, net. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052, or you can leave a postal address and a name on uh, 0439 395 489 
0439 395 489 and I will ensure you'll get a copy of an application form in the next few days. All right. Now, those of you who do live in Melbourne know about the Tunnaminaway and Hina commemoration. And those of you who listened to the program last week would have heard me uh, talk from the bowels of the universe regarding the background of the Tunnaminaway and Hina commemoration. Now, this year, the Tunnaminaway and Hina commemoration will be held on a Saturday. This is a great event to which you can bring your kiddies to. Because if you want them to learn about reconciliation in a positive manner, this is the event for you. And this year we'll be celebrating, well we won't be celebrating, it's not a present word is it, we'll be commemorating the 176th anniversary of the execution of the two freedom fighters Tunaminaway and Moorborn here at the site they were executed at the Tunaminaway and Moorborn monument at the corner of Victoria and Franklin Streets in Melbourne. It starts at uh, midday, that's Saturday the 20th of January, speakers till 1pm and then we walk across to the Queen Victoria Markets to the place we believe they are buried. So we would encourage you to bring flowers on the day. We've got an interesting list of uh, speakers. The speakers list hasn't been finalised, but some of the speakers will be uh, Lydia Forp, the uh, new member, Greens member for the electorate of Northcote in Melbourne, uh, her, her uncle Robbie Forp. Uh, we've got um, Jacob Rumbiak, the uh, foreign minister for the uh, West Papuan uh, government in exile. Uh, speaking. We also have uh, Councillor uh, Lepart, Rowan Lepart from the Melbourne City Council. We've got a few other people that have been lined up to speak and uh, Mr Les Thomas will be uh, singing his uh, his uh, famous Tanaminoa uh, Morborhina song at then and then we'll obviously have a silent march across to the Queen Victoria Market so you can do two things in one day. You can join us for the Tanaminoa Morborhina commemoration our patron, Carolyn Briggs, will be the uh, first uh, speaker, the Bunurong elder, Ella, um, Caroline Briggs. Then you can go down to the markets, to the execution site, bring flowers, and then you can actually do your shopping at the Queen Victoria Market. A win-win situation. But seriously, at this uh, Tanaminaway and Morborhina Mor- Mor- commemoration, we'll be um, floating the proposal of making the 20th of January National Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Freedom Fighters Day. Every inch of this country, every island around this country, was contested by the local inhabitants, many of whom had lived here for over 50,000 years, was contested. Ownership was contested. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islands have never ceded their sovereign rights to this land. No treaties exist between the various groups the various independent nations in Australia and the Torres Strait and the Australian people via their government. There's a lot of unfinished business and I know a lot of people will be involved in uh, Invasion Day's activities on the 26th of January a few days later, but that's a reactive protest. It's a reactive protest. What I said at the beginning of the program, what we want to do is we want to set the agenda We want people to react to us, not react to them. 
So I'll be proposing on the 20th of January that the 20th of January be designated Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Freedom Fighters Day. So all those men, women and children who fought to retain their language, their culture, their way of life, their lands can be remembered in a positive way. And don't forget that the Tanamilwai Mōbōhina monument is the first major significant monument 220, I think it's 226 years after colonisation, 224 years after colonisation, to that f- struggle. And it took 12 years to get that monument established. But it is now established. And it occurred as a result, very simple result, of in 2002, when I was going through a second-hand bookshop looking for a book to review for the Anarchist Age Weekly Review, which is no longer, uh, obviously, written after a thousand uh, issues I felt was enough, I came across this book, which had been written in 1988 by the late Jan Roberts, regarding Tanaminawaya Mulbohina, and I thought to myself, why didn't I know about these people? They were executed for the heinous crime of resisting colonisation publicly executed, the first men publicly executed in Victoria on the 20th of January, 1842. So join us. Now, the the first hour of the uh, commemoration will be broadcast live by Melbourne's community radio station 3CR and it will be streaming live on 3cr.org.au, 3cr.org.au. So if you want to listen to the major speakers, this is an excellent way of... Uh, and you can't make it on the 20th of January, it's an excellent way to participate by listening to the 3CR uh, broadcast on Community Radio 3CR, 855 on the AM dial in Melbourne and Victoria. But you can listen to it live on 3cr.org.au. That's Saturday the 20th of January, midday to 1pm. I'll remind you again next week and hopefully we will see you on the day. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Also, we do a little bit of a Eureka Australia Day medal presentation. Uh, one of the uh, medalists wasn't able to attend on the 3rd of December, and uh, Yosef Al-Rimawi, who's a very well-known uh, Palestinian activist uh, in this country, will be receiving his uh, Eureka Australia medal on Sunday the 25th of February at Bakery Hill in Ballarat and uh, we'll follow this with a light luncheon possibly down at the uh, Queen's Arm Hotel so that's Sunday the 25th of uh, February put it down in your diary Bakery Hill, Ballarat 11am 11am for presentation of the Eureka Australia Day Medal to Yosef Arimawi a very, very well-known Palestinian activist in this land. I was going to say land of ours, but it's actually not our land, is it? It doesn't work that way, does it? Also, it's interesting. I'd also just like to remind you about the West Papuan Rent Collective. We are in a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, The office has now been going for three and a half years. The rent is paid by ordinary people like you and me. We need more members for the Rent Collective. It has been instrumental 
in promoting, in promoting the West Papuan struggle for independence, especially in the United Nations, and again to the stage where the issue may be actually be raised in the General Assembly. They've got over 85 nation states who uh, want the issue to be raised in the General Assembly. Once they reach, I think, 120, they don't have the numbers to put it on the agenda. I mean, the Indonesian government is fighting tooth and nail to ensure this doesn't happen. The office at Docklands in Melbourne, which is supported, not supported, which is totally financed, the rent is totally financed by the West Papuan Rent Collective, which I'm convener of. And uh, as I said, we're about 10 to 12 people short. It's a dollar a day. It's very simple. You can donate anonymously. If you wish to be a member of the West Papuan Rent Collective, give me a call, 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. Haven't got a phone? You can always write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Or you can, believe it or not, actually, and I know you'll find this radical, you can actually email an anarchist age at yahoo.com. So why am I wasting all your time, not with scintillating analysis, which will get us nowhere, but with practical events which are assisting to make a better society? Because anarchism is not just about some pie-in-the-sky revolutionary change. It's about making a better society in the here and now. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. And that's why the Anarchist Institute is involved in many activities which are not, you, you know, they're not going to lead to revolutionary change, but they will lead to change which improves people's lives. I mean, activism isn't about waiting for a magic moment to appear on the horizon and then you say, hooray, hooray, it's all over. Activism is a lifelong struggle for change. Now, I've been an activist now. This is my 50th year. I started becoming an activist in 1968 as a result of the uh, revolutionary upheaval in May 68 in Paris. That was my moment. You know, I, was, I think I was about 18, 17, 18, 17. And I thought to myself, this is a something that's reacting against capitalism and communism. About something which is reacting against centralised power. And on the 50th anniversary of the Paris 68 upheavals, I think it's important that we understand the role that activism plays, not just in terms of issues, and we can be drowned out in issues, but in terms of wanting a different society, wanting to create that new world in our hearts, wanting to create that new world without rulers. And why don't we want rulers? Because obviously rulers means hierarchy, concentration of power and wealth in fewer and fewer hands. And the story, and the story, as you know, of 20th century and 21st century society since 1975 has been based on four principles which have increased the power of those who exercise power and disenfranchised hundreds of millions, if not billions, of people across the road, across the world. 
And I'm talking about the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation revolution that has swept this country and continues to sweep this country. And the tragedy is that as the effects of this revolution, this deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation revolution have an effect on working people, the tragedy is that what we've seen is working people and the dispossessed and the marginalised moving into the hands of demagogues and people who say that their problems are not directly related to the inequalities in power and wealth, but are directly related to the other, the person of a different colour, a different race, a different religion. And that's why we formed public interest before corporate interest, to attempt to stem that flow of people into that type of political movement. All you've got to do is put your put a button, you know, say a word or two on social media and see the rise and rise of the hate brigade who somehow think that if you point your finger at the other, your problems are going to resolve. They're not going to resolve. The problems we face as individuals and families and communities are based on the fact that inequalities in power and wealth are widening and that the political processes we currently have in place do not serve the interests of the people. And what we've seen over the past 10 days is an extraordinary campaign, an extraordinary campaign, which has been based on focus groups. The Liberal National Party and the Labor Party have continuous focus groups where they try to feel what is the feeling out there in the community. And the Liberal National Party knows, as it did during the intervention in 2000, I think it was 2007, as it did during the Tampa crisis and continues to do as far as asylum seekers are concerned. It knows that fear is a wonderful motivating force in terms of pushing people into their realm. Fear, it's a wonderful, wonderful mechanism and obviously, you need to change the people you put, point your finger at. And I'll show you how these campaigns work, because what you need to understand is that things don't just happen. They happen for a reason. And in many situations, we see a manipulation of the political, social and cultural system in order to have a political outcome which benefits those who exercise power and control wealth. And normally in Australia, that campaign, those campaigns come from focus groups. And what we see is the Liberal National Party contacting their mates in the Murdoch media, who then obviously have an inter- uh, an impact on social media. And those of you who think that the you know, the uh, legacy media has no impact on social media. Think again. Just think again. 
because Murdoch has wasted millions, hundreds of millions of dollars on the Australian, a newspaper which is over 50 years old, which has never made a profit in its history, but which sets the political, social, cultural and social media agenda on a daily basis. And I think it was 10 to 12 days ago, they began their campaign against African gangs, in inverted commas. African gangs. It's a little bit passe, targeting Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. And people are getting bored with all the asylum seeker rhetoric. So we need a new scapegoat. And African gangs are the perfect scapegoat. They're young, voiceless. And so what you do is you generate hysteria. And I was really fascinated to see the leader of the Victorian opposition, you know, the man who had a lobster with a mobster, Mr Matthew Guy, the man who likes to kind of rub shoulders with people in the community, irrespective of their backgrounds, who may be able to channel some funds into Liberal National Party coffers, crapping on about recalling Parliament because of these violent African gangs, as if we don't have a police force that you know should be there to deal with this particular situation. Recall Parliament? The man who had a lobster with a mobster? The hypocrisy? Extraordinary. You know, if you're going to call recall the, the Victorian Parliament, why don't we call it on the housing affordability crisis? Because it's fear. Because those of you who are involved in the electoral process know fear is an aphrodisiac. It's an aphrodisiac for strong leadership, strong rulers. We'll sort it out for you. We'll put them all in jail. We'll shoot them all. We'll exterminate them all. We'll deport them all. Beautiful. Always pick somebody who can't really kind of articulate for themselves. It's always a good strategy. And we are seeing it at the beginning of 2018 because the scene is set if you live in Victoria for the Victorian state election. The scene is set between a government that builds roads and gets rid of traffic lights and railway stations and an opposition that generates fear regarding African gangs. Huh? And on the federal sphere, you saw Mr Turnbull at the behest of his master, Mr Murdoch, get up and say, this African gang problem is such an issue, such a huge issue. Because they know that if you dish up fear and you spoon-fed people fear, it grows. It makes people feel vulnerable. They want to be protected. They want to be looked after. They want the state to step in. They want to increase the jails. They want to... It just goes on and on. Such a wonderful tactic sent in the army in 2007 into Aboriginal communities. 
fear when the tamper, you know, was forced away. When the army was sent in, think about it. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders are used to this type of activity. Asylum seekers are used to it. So we need a new group. We had the Muslims last year. They were a really good group to generate fear, but now it's the African gangs. Will it be you next week? Will it be the blue rinse set? Will it be people of one leg? Will it be people of a squint? You never know. Who could be the devil's spawn in our community? Are you listening to the Anarchist World this week? Broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Scott. I'm hosting today's program. If you want to learn more about anarchism? Go to the website, anarchistmedia.org. Want to learn more about the activities that I'm involved in? Join those activities? Go to my Facebook page, Toscano, the number four, public. Toscano for the public. Toscano for the public. Very simple. There should be some information regarding Tanaminawa and Mulbohina. Uh, commemoration on the 20th of January at uh, midday, that's Saturday. Uh, in the next, w- day or t- the next two or three days, there'll be all this information about defending and extending public housing, which I'll talk about in a minute. Because the idea of the anarchist will this week is to actually for us to initiate campaigns, not just to react, 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 or to focus on issue issues. For example, what was all the hullabaloo about regarding marriage equality? I mean, the legislation's been passed in Parliament. People have started to marry. Has the sun fallen out of the sky? Has God set lightning bolts on earth? Has the earth split and we've all disappeared asunder? Has the gra- is the grass greener? Come on. Really? It just shows you the extent of the hysteria surrounding even the most minimal change. Minimal change. And that's what it's about. You create hysteria in the public mind. You create fear. You stir it for your own political ends. And what is the political ends of the alternative Labor, the alternative Liberal Party, masquerading as the Labor Party and the Liberal National Party, to ensure that those who exercise power continue to exercise power, and those who control wealth continue to control that wealth, and that's why there's so much dissatisfaction with the parliamentary system. So much, but all of that dissatisfaction, 99.99%, has moved across to the hate mongers. Because it's easy to organise around hate, especially when you can point your finger at somebody who's got a different coloured skin, or wears a funny hat, or kind of has got a hook nose, or walks funny. Very easy, very easy, but... uh, doesn't get you anywhere, does it? Because real power doesn't lie in Parliament. It lies in the boardrooms of national and transnational corporations. It lies in that sector of the community that pushes the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation, a revolutionary bandwagon. That's where it lies. I'll give you an example. Simple example. Now, I reckon... Victoria has doubled in population since the late 1980s. Now, this is a state I'm familiar with, and obviously I think most of this 
occurs in many of the other many other states in the uh, Commonwealth of Australia. Now, the number of public houses available units in the late eighties, early nineties was about sixty two, sixty three thousand. Guess how many public houses, public units there are in two thousand and eighteen, which is almost thirty years later. Hmm. 64,000. The population doubles, public housing hasn't doubled. We have increased homelessness. Think about it. We have a housing affordability crisis. Think about it. Why do we have a housing affordability crisis? It's simple. Even an idiot like me, even an idiot like me that treads in dog shit all the time, knows that if you open up the private housing market to private Investors, whether they're born here or overseas, doesn't really matter. But it's opened up to them where you can actually claim a legal, legitimate tax deduction for owning two homes and claim nothing for owning one home. Obviously, money's going to pour into the residential housing market. What happens when money pours into the residential housing market? Prices go up. What happens when prices go up? Well... People can't afford to buy. So what happens? Rents increase. Less competition. If you leave it all on the private market, as we saw in the banking and financial sector, less competition, prices go up. Even an idiot like me knows this. We know this. So what does the government do in Victoria, which I'm familiar with, as far as public housing is concerned? Public housing is publicly owned, publicly managed. It attempts to privatise what's left of the public housing sector by pushing public housing into the private sector, into the social housing, community housing, affordable housing sector. Lovely names, aren't they? Social housing, community housing, affordable housing. The government says, yippee-doo, we can wash our hands of this issue. We can put it into the private sector, some for profit, some not for profit. We will help them. We will guarantee their incomes. We'll transfer titles over to them. We'll give over the management of public housing to them and whoopie-doo, and before we know it, no more public housing. So in December 2016, the Friends of Public Housing Victoria asked public interest before corporate interest to assist them. And we suggested we form a new organisation, Defend and Extend Public Housing Australia, which we did. And we followed a very simple strategy of placing direct pressure on the members of the Legislative Council and Legislative Assembly in Victoria to make public housing an issue. Because the next state election in Victoria will be on the 24th of November, Saturday the 24th of November. And what are the issues? Roads, railway lines, Building on one side and on the other side, fear. The old lobster with a mobster, Matthew Guy man, a man who's willing to rub shoulders with some very questionable, you know, business entities in this state, in the state of Victoria, is now jumping up and down regarding these bloody African gangs. I mean, there's a riot in Torquay, I think yesterday or the day before, I can't remember. Did we have headlines? Caucasian riot. <laughs> of course not. 
Come on, boys and girls. Fear. Wonderful aphrodisiac to, you know, follow a strong leader. Seen it before. Saw it in the 20s. Saw it in the 30s. See what happens. So let's get back to this public housing fiasco. So, what's our strategy? Our strategy is very simple. We think, think, not believe. We don't believe things. We think. We know. That $6 billion was collected from stamp duty last year in Victoria. That's the money buyers pay to the state government when they buy some real estate, okay? And we think that this $6 billion should be allocated to public housing. And if you allocate $6 billion to public housing every year, that means twenty to 25,000 new public housing units come online every year, which means between 75,000 and 100,000 people can be accommodated in public housing every year, which means within a year, within a decade, you've got over a million Victorians in public housing paying 25% of their income. And that means that public housing is no longer just the sole prerogative of people in desperate situations, but people who can't afford to buy in the private market because of low wages. Very simple. So it's a win-win situation for everybody. Downward pressure on rents, downward pressure on housing prices at the lower end of the market. would be due Everybody should be happy. But no... We have a Liberal National Party that wants to nationalise, sorry, wants to privatise what's left of the public housing sector. An Australian Labor Party which thinks that the best way to resolve the housing crisis is by putting their uh, money and power behind private organisations. Yes, I am stretching, boys and girls. I am stretching. So, what are we going to do? Well, we've been having a little strategy we've been following since December 2016 because the Victorian Greens, not the Australian Greens, who actually haven't got a public housing policy that's worth looking at at this stage, but the Victorian Greens have a public housing policy of both defending public housing and maybe extending public housing. So what we'd love to see and what we want to create is a hung parliament after the next state election in Victoria on the 24th of November. The Greens hold the balance of power and they can actually dictate what they want in order to ensure the alternative Liberal Party or the Liberal National Party become the next government. So we'll be holding rallies on the steps of Parliament House on as many parliamentary sitting days as possible. And we'll be holding rallies. Our next first rally on the Victorian steps of Parliament House will be at midday on Wednesday the 7th of February. That's midday the Wednesday the 7th of February. And it's a parliamentary sitting day. It'll be nice to see you there on the day. Midday, the 7th of February, the steps of the Victorian Parliament House. And we will be continue to hold monthly rallies until the 24th of November. And we will put direct pressure on the Housing Minister, Mr Foley, to ensure that when he goes to Cabinet, he puts forward policies which promote public housing. Because... You see the Labor Party masquerading as alternative Liberal Party, as we saw in the Northcote by-election a few months ago, is very vulnerable in its inner-city seats. Very vulnerable. And if they want to be re-elected, they need to change their public housing policies radically. And we will be there. You like that? We will be there to ensure they do 
unless they wish to be confined to the dustbin of history. The dustbin of history. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. few websites, few addresses, a few phone numbers, and again, it's up to you. It's up to you. Whether you become active or not, you know, it's your decision. You know, you want change, you become active. You want to watch the world go by, well, continue to watch the world go by, you know. It's all, they're all legitimate decisions we make on a day-to-day basis. We all make decisions. We may think we don't, but we all make decisions. Sometimes we make decisions that are kind of, you know, we don't make, but they are decisions. So, a few websites, anarchistmedia.org, pibc.net, publicinterestbeforecorporates.net. Download the application form. My personal Facebook page. You will not find what I've eaten. You will not find the colour of my underpants. You will not find the colour of my eyes or whether I wear, wear a bra or not. It won't be on the Facebook page, but you will find the activities I'll be involved in that week and the week after and people's reactions to those activities. Some good, some bad, but that's life, isn't it? So you go to Toscano for the public. You want to join the public interest before corporate interest? You know what to do. You want to join the West Papua Rent Collective? Give us a call, 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. It's interesting, isn't it? Well, you can still write to us. I do answer letters. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. It's interesting, isn't it? How Australian society has changed. And a lot of people kind of have forgotten that it's changed and it's changing and it's changing in some interesting ways. And what we've seen is the managerial class in this country, the group that have the disposable income to take... uh, to take advantage of this country's investment-friendly laws, have kind of thrown their hat in with the capital. Capital, and this is the this is the rise and rise of a new class. What I call the investment class. You can be a tradesperson, you can be a professional, you can be a manager, but if you've got more income than you need in order to survive or live the lifestyle you wish to live, you've got disposable income. Disposable income. If you've got a lot of disposable income, you don't have to worry about tying it up in superannuation. It means you have options. And the beauty is about living in the Commonwealth of Australia. You like that word, Commonwealth of Australia, is the more disposable income you have, the less tax you pay. So the investment class, which makes up about 12% of the Australian population, has done really, really well out of the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatised revolution. Really, really well. You know, you can lose money on the stock market and claim it as a tax deduction. You can buy a house, rent it out and lose money and claim it as a tax deduction and the list goes on and on. That's the beauty of living in the land of milk and honey, the land of Oz, the land of the brave and the three. Oh, sorry, that's the United States of America, the land of the brave and the three. We're the only three and the, and the cowardly. I'm talking about myself, obviously. Um, so 
You know, interesting, isn't it? Fascinating. Really fascinating. So what happens to everybody else? Well, we have a shrinky middle class, but we kind of survive it. I'm part of the middle class. As long as you're in debt, it's all right. It's all right, but if there is a hiccup in the financial world over the next decade, and I expect there will be, then that middle class may disappear. And that's my, that's my worry. That as the middle class disappears and fear kicks in, a fear which is generated by those people who wish to divide us on the most minuscule basis, as that fear increases, people rush across to the hate mongers. It's very easy to hate. Much more difficult being positive and constructive and trying to recreate society. Much, much more difficult to explain that to people than to say, well, you know those African gangs? They're your problem. Deport them all and no more problems. (laughs) It's not inequalities in power and wealth that's your problem. It's not the fact that more and more money is in the hands of fewer and fewer people. It's not the fact that the parliamentary process has been so debased that legislation never comes up, which threatens those people who uh, concentrate wealth in their hands or exercise power. Oh, no, you don't want to threaten the hand that feeds you, do you? There's quite a extraordinary situation we find ourselves in 2018. We have about 12% of the Australian population, the 1% who own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication in alliance with an investment class which has disposable income to take uh, to take advantage of all these investment-friendly laws in this country while laughing at the rest of us, the middle class which is mired in debt and the 40% of us or the 33% of Australians, the one in three, who rely on social security benefits to survive and all those people on part-time casualised work who haven't received a wage increase in years, who somehow think that the issue is the other. Because who introduced four, five, seven visas? Who tripled the migration rate? These people want to have an open economy. Who want to put downward pressure on wages by bringing in cheap, non-unionised labour. If people want to take advantage of these laws, good luck to them. But the issue is the laws in the first place and why these laws were created. And they were created to create a pool of cheap labour which puts downward pressure on wages, which strips away hard-won conditions and rights on the workplace. Where we see legislation... Legislative barrage after legislative barrage concentrated on removing removing rights and conditions in the workplace where striking is now an illegal activity, where wage rises are non-existence, where people are bodgy contractors, bodgy contractors who have to look after all their own issues in terms of uh, health care superannuation, insurance, and the list goes on and on. Well, they get the same wage as they would if they were a a wage earner, not the wage that a contractor should actually be receiving. We've got all this part-time casualised staff competing, racing to the bottom, asking for cash in hand, 
trying to survive. And how does all this come about? Because we had very strong labour laws. You water down the labour laws. You make it legal to underpay people. You make it legal to force people out of unions. You make it illegal for people to join unions. And if they are a strong union, you do everything you can to bankrupt that union. And the list goes on and on. And we've allowed it to happen on our watch. And that's my great disappointment, you know. That is my great disappointment because I've been on this planet 66 years now and my great disappointment is when I was 18 and 19 and 20 and 21 and 22 and 23 and 24, possibly even 25 and 26, I remember all those revolutionary youth who believed the new world was around the corner. And now I look at my contemporaries, they've flat bloated superannuation accounts. They're flat, fat, bloated opinions of themselves. Parts of the managerial classes. Parts of the investment class. Turning on their own children's future. And more importantly, turning on the future of other people's children. Just as bad as the God, King and Country Brigade, which sent other people's children overseas to fight wars that had nothing to do with Australia's interests. Just as bad. Criminals turned into corporate criminals. I see it all around me. Most of my contemporaries have forgotten their radical youth, have forgotten they got a free education, have forgotten where they came from, have forgotten that if it wasn't for the social elevator which had been created by generations before them to ensure that they were actually able to have a good future, that they wouldn't be having a future. They've forgotten. They've destroyed the social elevator, destroyed it, sold the pieces to the scrap metal yard. Forgotten. The way you judge a society... It's not how you judge how you treat your poorest and most vulnerable, but where you place your money, where you place your resources. And in Australia in the 21st century, it's all about corporate welfare. It's all about ensuring the rich and powerful don't pay tax legally. It's all about ensuring the investment class is the only class that matters in Australia 2018. It's all about self, not community, not nationhood, self. Self Self-interest before any other interest. And this is my generation, which is now in positions of power and authority, who have brought this world to its knees through climate change, through pursuing a consumerist economy based on the creation of artificial needs to increase consumption irrespective of the human, social, environmental, cultural, national costs. And it was my generation who had so much hope for the future who forgot 
who forgot as they marched through the institutions that that march through the institutions wasn't a march to enrich themselves but a march to change the institutional framework to ensure that everybody was able to drink from the same trough. Think about it. We do have options. Every day we have options. Every day we make decisions. I encourage you to join us in many of our ventures. Some will fail, some will succeed, some are esoteric, some are groundbreaking, but at least we are trying to improve the lives, not just ourselves, not just the people around us, but the community as a whole. Think about it. Join us in 2018. Become that dog shit on the undersole of the rich and powerful. It doesn't matter where they walk. It doesn't matter how often they wash their shoe. That stench, that lingering smell will continue to make their lives uncomfortable. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast via the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Scanner. I've been broadcasting this week's edition of The Anarchist World This Week. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can go to my personal Facebook page, Toscano for the Public. Find out the activities we're involved in. Two activities to keep in mind. 20th of January, midday, corner of Victoria and Franklin Street in Melbourne, across across uh, from the old Melbourne jail, the Tanaminaway Morbohina commemorations. Midday, broadcast live from midday to 1pm, community radio 3CR, 3cr.org.au. That's Saturday the 20th of January, then we march to the Queen Victoria Market. Don't forget... First rally of the year for to defend and extend public housing. Steps of the Victorian Parliament House, midday, 7th of February, second parliamentary sitting day. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052, Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can download application forms to join public interest before corporate interest, pibci, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Don't forget... First meeting of the Frankston branch of Pipsy will be on Tuesday, the 16th of January, 26 Mahogany Street. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast on your local community radio station via the kind people at the Community Radio Network. Evil minds that plot destruction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.